Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 63 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller, pleased to be joining you guys once again. Hope everybody is having a good weekend, but most importantly, I hope everybody remembers the real meaning behind this weekend. It's not about burgers, it's not about hot dogs, it's not about beer, it's about remembering the real heroes, all the brave men and women that fought and died to protect our country's freedom. And to me, that's what a real hero is in my book. I think nowadays a lot of people, they say, oh, well, this football player, this race car driver, this baseball player, this rock star, this actor, they're my hero. And to each their own, but to me, the real heroes are all those men and women that didn't make it home, that gave up their tomorrow for our today. So just wanted to take a moment to reflect and honor and remember those that gave the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our freedom. So I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. I thank you for all of your support on the podcast. Got a couple new listeners this week too, which I'm very happy to hear about. So... A lot going on this particular weekend, one of the greatest weekends in all of auto racing when you think of it tomorrow with the 105th Indianapolis 500. Also going to recap the wild weekend at Austin, Texas and preview tomorrow night's Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But first off, before we get going, obviously we have to give an update on Brad watch, I guess you could say. So yesterday morning at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Roger Penske, who obviously now owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar, Roger was asked about who will be driving his number two cup car in the NASCAR Cup Series in 2022. And Roger replied with, we haven't really made a decision at this point. We've got a contract with Brad through the end of the year, and we'll make a decision when that's over. Basically, in layman's terms, he's out at Team Penske after 2021. Plain and simple as that. Obviously, when you do not give a vote of confidence saying, oh, yeah, you know, remember back in March when Roger Penske said, oh, yeah, we're close with Brad Keselowski, and I don't see any reason why we can't come to an extension. Well, (laughs) here we are two months later, and he's pretty much all but said that he's going to be out of the two car. Once the 2021 season is over. So yesterday evening after the NASCAR Cup Series had their lone practice session of the weekend in preparation for tomorrow night's Coca-Cola 600. Sure enough, Jordan Bianchi, Bob Pockris from Fox Sports, Alan Kavana, a lot of the reporters, sure enough, they asked Brad about his 2022 plans. And he was asked, will you be back with Team Penske in 2022? And Brad replied, I can't talk about that, but I appreciate you asking. When I can, I'll tell you. And then he was asked, has it been a distraction with all the rumors and reports? And he said, no, it's not difficult to me. I'm in a spot where I'm just head down, finished second last year in points and won four races and looking for one more spot. And finally, the last question, when do you think you will reveal your plans for 2022? And Brad had a bit of a grin on his face, and he said, as soon as I'm allowed to. So you put two and two together. He's out at Team Penske after 2021. 
And sure enough, he will be moving to Roush Fenway Racing in 2022, along with a partial ownership stake in the organization. That's the way I look at it. And I think that this has been in the works for quite a while. Now, obviously, as someone that grew up as a Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan and transitioned over to Brad Keselowski in 2018, obviously I've seen this movie before. Back in 2007, going into 2007, when Dale Jr.'s contract was up with Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, this all stemmed from his stepmother, Teresa, at the weekend of the awards ceremony in New York in December of 2006, when she said, well, right now the ball is in his court on whether or not he wants to be a race car driver or a public personality. And that really irritated me right then and there. I'm thinking you have the nerve to question your stepson's commitment to the organization when ever since your husband died, you were shown up to the same three races every single year, the Daytona 500, the All-Star Race, and the championship race at Homestead Miami Speedway. So you knew the writing was on the wall right then and there. And I'll never forget how Kevin Harvick, during the preseason, the preseason media events that they had back in the day, or still do, And Kevin Harvick straight up called Teresa Earnhardt a deadbeat owner. Anyway, my point is, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s uncle, Tony Erie Sr., who was undoubtedly his most successful crew chief, they won those two Bush Series championships together, 1998-1999, and out of the 17 cup races that he won at Dale Earnhardt Incorporated before moving to Hendrick Motorsports, 15 of them were with Tony Erie Sr. And I remember... Tony Erie Sr., this was the late 2000s. And even though Dale Jr. announced it was May 10th, 2007, even though he announced in early to mid-May that he was going to be leaving Dale Earnhardt Incorporated at the end of 2007, Tony Erie Sr. said in an interview that Dale Jr. came to him probably, he said it was either the end of February or the 1st of March, and he said that it was a long time before It was officially announced that he was going to leave DEI, but he wanted to tell his uncle that he was not going to re-sign with them. And I think, like I talked about last week, with the personnel changes, moving Paul Wolf over to Joey Logano and the 22 team, and of course all of that internal conflict with Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, I think that this has probably been known that Brad Keselowski and Team Penske are going to be parting ways after the 2021 season. I think this has probably been known probably since about February or March. But obviously, everybody, they have to keep these things under wraps. And Bob Pockris from Fox Sports, the day that all of the rumors surfaced about Brad Keselowski going to Roush Fenway Racing, taking over Ryan Newman's number six Ford in 2022, and the ownership stake, Bob Pockris tweeted that, All of this cannot be officially announced until sometime in September because of a clause in Brad Keselowski's contract. So either way, like I said, it pretty much confirmed what we've known for a week and a half now, that Brad Keselowski, he's going to be out of the two car after the 2021 season is over. And obviously when you're saying, when I can, I'll tell you as soon as I'm allowed to, I'll tell you what my plans are for 2022. The writing's on the wall. He's out at Team Penske after 2021. And hey, 
whether it, I mean, let's face it, it's going to be Austin Cindric that's going to be taking over that two car. They're not going to put Matt Benedetto in the two car, which is the flagship car at Team Penske. They'll just keep him in the 21 car. But either way, if it is Austin Cindric, if it is Matt Benedetto, good luck. You'll need it because those are impossible shoes to fill. Brad has won 34 cup races in that two car. Going back to June of 2011 at Kansas, won the 2012 NASCAR Cup Series Championship, the first ever NASCAR Cup Series Championship for Team Penske, had a monumental role in saving Joey Logano's career and getting him in the 22 car in 2013, and also bringing over Ryan Blaney and helping him get his career kick-started. But hey, Roger Penske, how quick we forget. So, <clears throat> anyway, and Ryan Blaney was also asked about it yesterday at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He was asked about Claire B. Lang from SiriusXM said, do you know anything about Brad's plans? And Ryan said, I didn't hear anything about it until you all did. I wish him the best. It's definitely a change. It's exciting for him to become an owner again. It's cool for him, so hopefully it works out good for him. So, talk about spilling the beans right then and there. So, that's the latest with Brad Watch. And, like I said, there are certain stipulations and contracts, whether it's the driver, whether it's sponsors. Sooner or later, I'm sure Team Penske will be putting out a press release in the coming months saying that Team Penske and Brad Keselowski, that they will be going their separate ways after the 2021 season. So what a crazy week it's been for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Always lives up to the hype. No matter if you're on a three and a half mile road course in the rain, like Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, last Saturday, or last night at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that was an incredible truck race to watch last Saturday at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. You had a guy like Tyler Ankrum on the pole. You had Kaz Gralla, road course ace that he is, starting second in an underfunded truck. And Kaz Gralla, I mean, he dominated the first stage of that race in torrential conditions, let's face it. And I think the other, the other guy that impressed me so much was Todd Gillen. And just seeing that back-and-forth battle that Todd Gillen and Kaz Gralla had in that first stage, that was definitely fun to watch. And Sheldon Creed, who won on the Daytona Road Course last year, I mean, he was strong. But obviously, like I said, Todd Gillen, this was definitely a monumental moment for him. Obviously, David Gillen's son. But I think it was a monumental moment for Todd, whose career definitely took a bit of a beating after being released by Kyle Busch Motorsports at the end of 2019. And we all know Kyle Busch Motorsports is by far the best truck series team and for him to only get one win and sure enough it was at martinsville in the fall of 2019 after it was already evident that he was going to be leaving at the end of 2019 and to go with front row motorsports obviously a team that his dad david raced for in the cup series for many many years helped them get their truck program up and running and to get a win and i mean they have been showing a lot of speed winning a stage at darlington winning on a road course Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. I mean, who who expected that? Like I said, you, you would have thought it would have been Kaz Grala 
or Sheldon Creed, John Hunter Nemechek, even even Ben Rhodes, who won on the Daytona Road Course earlier this year. So definitely a monumental moment for Todd Gillen, and who knows, maybe a big win like that, maybe it could boost his chances of moving up to the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2022. You never know. But last night at Charlotte Motor Speedway, qualifying was rained out. With Todd Gillen and Sheldon Creed on the front row, obviously based off of how well they ran at Circuit of the Americas. And Sheldon Creed, I mean, he looked dominant early on winning that first stage. But the guy that has been dominant all year in that in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, I mean, it's been John Hunter Nemechek. And even after hitting the wall yesterday morning in practice, I, I was telling Jason Boone, I said, <laughs> I said, well, this will be about the first time in a month that I won't be picking him to win. <laughs> I'm like the Mike Francesa this year when it comes to when it comes to picking in any of the top three series, Camping World Truck Series, Xfinity Cup. I was so good at it last year, and like I said, it's like Mike Francesa syndrome this year. But anyway, <clears throat> anyway, Sheldon Creed, sure enough, he did go on to win the first stage, but John Hunter Nemechek asserting himself as pretty much the guy to beat. And the one thing with Charlotte, and especially with these trucks, is when you get stuck back in traffic, like what happened to Sheldon Creed last night, going down into turn three, and sure enough, Todd Gillen got loose underneath of him and slid up into him, and Sheldon spun, and he would have been fine, and then came down the racetrack and got clobbered by his teammate Chase Purdy, who undoubtedly has underperformed greatly in a GMS truck this year. So, sure enough... After Sheldon Creed was done for the night, his teammate Zane Smith getting his first stage win of 2021, you were thinking like, oh, maybe his luck is going to turn around because he has had some awful, awful luck so far in 2021. And sure enough, Zane Smith had to go to the back of the field for penalty on pit road. I think the one guy that impressed me the most these past few weeks in the truck series, it's been Carson Hosevar, 18 years old, driving for Al Nice. He finished third at Darlington, seventh at Coda, and was able to finish second last night to John Hunter Nemechek. I mean, that is absolutely incredible what this kid is doing. But of course, the biggest moment of the race last night was Trey Hutchins when he blew a tire in turn four and hit the wall, how NASCAR did not throw a caution flag. Did not throw a caution flag, and Johnny Sauter came along and clobbered him absolutely clobbered and both the trucks were destroyed the whole right side of johnny's truck was ripped off pretty much the whole left side of trey hutchins truck was ripped off so then you finally wait to call a caution flag and then on top of it thankfully johnny Sauter was okay and able to walk out under his own power but look at how long it took the the safety workers to get to his truck it was almost a, a freaking minute that is just absolutely unacceptable on both levels that you you wait until two trucks get clobbered. And Bob Pockris from Fox Sports said that NASCAR was like, oh, well, we've noticed that Matt Crafton's engine blew up. We were focused on that, on whether or not to throw a caution flag. Yeah, well, meanwhile, Trey Hutchins and Johnny Slaughter get clobbered on the front stretch. Then you finally throw a caution. I mean, that's that's just absolutely inexcusable, the way that race control has been. And John Hunter Nemechek actually ran over a piece of debris and it caved the roof in. And I thought, man, he's done. But sure enough, he goes on to win 
His third race of 2021, Carson Hosevar in second, Ben Rhodes third, Stuart Friesen with a new crew chief in fourth, Todd Yellen overcoming that crash to finish fifth, Chandler Smith sixth, Ty Majeski seventh, his first race of 2021, he needed that, Derek Krause in eighth, he badly needed that, and Austin Hill, who I picked to win last night, he was ninth, Zane Smith rounding out the top ten. Christian Eckes, 11th, Ryan Truex, 12th, but Haley Deegan in 13th. I mean, she is doing a remarkable job, getting better and better every single week. Grant Enfinger in 14th, and Jack Wood in his Truck Series debut for GMS. He was 15th, beating his teammate Tyler Ankrum down in 16th. So, unfortunately, off weekend for the Truck Series coming up, but they will be back June 12th at Texas Motor Speedway. Now, as far as the NASCAR Xfinity Series goes, last weekend at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, we had Kyle Busch on the front row and Ross Chastain, who was filling in for Joe Graff Jr. because of a knee injury. And unfortunately for Ross, he broke a gear right off the bat, many, many laps down and had a sell for 30th. But it was business as usual for Kyle Busch. Dry conditions, unlike the truck race. I mean, he dominated, absolutely dominated the whole race. And I think the amazing thing is, I mean, obviously with Kyle, he didn't stay out there to try try and win the stages. I mean, it's pointless. You're not running for points. You're there for the win. So A.J. Allmendinger was able to win the first stage of the race. And Austin Sendrick, who I did pick to win, Austin was good but not great i mean obviously kyle bush was just in a league of his own and justin haley was able to make his return after having to miss dover because of covid19 protocols sure enough he did win the second stage of the race but for the most part the xfinity race last week was very very dull obviously with kyle bush in the field and the only caution flags that they there were i mean it's unfortunate seeing guys like Noah Gregson, his bad luck continues. He had an engine blow. Tommy Joe Martin's one of the best underdog stories of 2021. His engine went, and Miguel Paluto driving the eight car for Dale Earnhardt Jr. had a rear gear break while he was running well inside the top ten all day. So Kyle Busch went on to win the Xfinity race by 11 seconds over A.J. Allmendinger. And this was Kyle's 98th Xfinity Series win, and like you guys know, Two more Xfinity wins, and he said that he will retire from the NASCAR Xfinity Series, much to the delight of a lot of drivers and a lot of fans, too. And A.J. Allmendinger was second, Justin Allgaier third, Kevin Harvick fourth in his first Xfinity race since 2018 at Darlington, Austin Sendrick fifth, Colt Harrison Burton sixth, Cole Custer seventh, Tyler Reddick eighth, Justin Moneymaker Haley ninth, and Jeb Burton Rounded out the top 10. Now, speaking of the Xfinity Series, in just a little bit, they will be <clears throat> getting underway at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and it's the driver's only broadcast that they have once a year in the Xfinity Series. The first time they did it was actually at Pocono in 2017. So, what's going on with the driver's only Xfinity broadcast, 1 o'clock on Fox Sports 1? Here is the lineup that we have so unlike adam alexander who usually handles play-by-play duties sure enough play-by-play duties for the xfinity race today will be done by none other than kevin harvick 
Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, they will be in the booth providing the call as well. On pit road, Christopher Bell and Eric Jones, how ironic. And from the studio, the Fox Sports studio in Charlotte, Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and seven-time NASCAR Cup Series crew chief champion, excuse me, (laughs) seven-time NASCAR Cup Series championship winning crew chief, Chad Knauss. They will be providing analysis from the Charlotte studio. Now let's take a look at the lineup for today's Osco Uniforms 300 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. On the pole is Riley Herbst. And starting second is the guy that was in that 98 car last year, Chase Briscoe. Starting third is Daniel Hemrick, Austin Sendrick fourth, A.J. Allmendinger fifth, Jeremy Clements sixth, Myatt Snyder seventh, Ty Gibbs eighth, Jeb Burton ninth, and Ty Dillon rounds out the top ten. Eleventh is Justin Moneymaker Haley, twelfth Ryan Sieg, thirteenth Harrison Burton, fourteenth is Brandon Jones, fifteenth Brett Moffitt, sixteenth is Tyler Reddick, seventeenth Jeffrey Earnhardt, ironically out-qualifying his uncle's cars, every single one of them. Josh Berry, Michael Annette, those were two of them. Ryan Vargas in 20th, Stephen Parsons, 21st. Chad Fincham, 22nd. Noah Gregson in 23rd. Matt Mills, 24th. Jade Buford in 25th. Justin Allgaier, 26th. And Justin said it himself, Charlotte Motor Speedway just seems to be an Achilles heel for junior motorsports. Tommy Joe Martins in 27th, Landon Castle 28th, Colby Howard 29th, Jesse Little 30th, 31st is Cody Ware, 32nd is Brandon Brown, 33rd Alex LeBay, 34th Josh Williams, and rounding out the field, Grant Enfinger, believe it or not, in his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut, and Timmy Hill in 36th. So 200 laps today, stage 1, lap 45, stage 2, lap 90. Very, very hard to predict a winner. And honestly, Riley Herbst, I mean, he won the pole 29-35. 183 miles an hour. Chase Briscoe qualified second with a 29-72. And even though they're saying, oh, you know, Chase Briscoe, he's driving for BJ McLeod just like Kevin Harvick was last week, let's face it, it's a Stuart Haas prepared car. (laughs) You know, it's like old saying goes, you could... You could put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So anyway, when I look at this field for today, Daniel Hemrick was second in this race last year to none other than Kyle Busch. Austin Cendrick was third. I look at, excuse me, Ty Gibbs, obviously. I mean, he's going to be in the ARCA race later tonight. Harrison Burton. Harrison Burton, he... His father, Jeff, won several Bush Series races at Charlotte Motor Speedway and also two Coca-Cola 600s, 1999 and 2001. Tyler Reddick, he actually won this race two years ago at Charlotte Motor Speedway, for that matter. So, I think, and obviously, Daniel Hemrick, what an amazing way it would be to get finally get that first NASCAR win of his career growing up in Kannapolis, North Carolina, basically 20 minutes from Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
But I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here. And just based off of the way that he dominated the NASCAR Xfinity Series last year, I'm taking the number 99 Ford of Chase Briscoe to win today's Osco Uniforms 300 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, of course, the big elephant in the room. Last week's NASCAR Cup Series race at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. We had Tyler Reddick on the pole for the first time in his career. Kyle Larson starting alongside of him, and it rained all day. So sure enough, Austin Sendrick, obviously the amazing background that he has in road racing. Sure enough, Penske entered him in this race. He qualified third. Three wide going down in that tight hairpin turn. And he got the lead right off the bat. And pretty much everyone was coming down pit road to change their tires because it was raining right at the beginning of the race. But Austin Sendrick, you know, he stayed out. He led those first four laps on slick tires. But obviously he saw how much... Even he saw how much ground he was giving up, so he had a pit. And Martin Trex Jr., he inherited the lead, but he had a pit for tires. Michael McDowell, obviously the amazing background that he has in road racing, but he had a pit as well. And the unfortunate thing is Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse Racing, they have been by far the better of the two celebrity teams this year. With Pitbull getting into the sport and Michael Jordan getting into the sport, Daniel Suarez, Travis Mack, and that 99 team, they have shown speed all year. It's just a matter of getting some luck. And sure enough, lap nine, he broke a transmission and stalled out on the racetrack. And Joey Logano, I think, honestly, I don't think I've given Joey enough credit for how solid of a road racer he is. I mean, he did win at Watkins Glen in 2015, but he looked very, very impressive in the rain. And he was able to go on and win the first stage but oh and this just in from jason boone i'm surprised he's not picking his uh his regular driver his new driver chase briscoe he's going with the 54 of ty gibbs but hey that's a solid pick regardless i wouldn't even be shocked if he ended up winning both races today at charlotte motor speedway the xfinity race and the arca race later tonight so the one problem Racing in the rain was that long, long back straightaway at Circuit of the Americas and just the amount of rooster tails that it kicked up. And, I mean, you couldn't see anything. And sure enough, on lap 20, we had a massive, and I mean massive, pileup on the back straightaway. And Ryan Blaney, <coughs> Ryan Blaney, he got hit by Christopher Bell. That pretty much killed the right rear quarter panel of that car. And Kevin Harvick... Kevin Harvick getting rammed by Bubba Wallace. And first DNF for Kevin Harvick since the night race at Bristol in 2019. So a lot of good race cars that were torn up right then and there. Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, and Bubba Wallace. And as soon as Kevin's day was done and he was talking to Dustin Long and about the, the whole emphasis of racing in the rain, and Kevin said, we have no business racing in the rain, period. And he said, that's the most unsafe I have ever felt in a race car. And he, he said, I've been in the sport a long time, and this is by far one of the worst decisions we've ever made in the sport is racing in the rain, period. And that's what I love about Kevin Harvick. He's 45 years old. He's been in the sport for 20 years. We need, we need a voice that is willing to call out NASCAR when they screw up. And obviously... 
we had an amazing voice in that garage area that would speak up anytime. And that was Dale Earnhardt. But obviously, we all know of the unfortunate events that happened on February 18, 2001. After he retired, pretty much everybody wanted Jeff Gordon to be like the voice in the garage area. But obviously, Jeff just didn't, he just didn't have that, that presence like Dale Earnhardt did. And Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart, to a degree, he had that outspokenness, but obviously he just didn't have that level of power to speak out against what was going on in the NASCAR garage area, quite like Dale Earnhardt did. And so sure enough, you know, NASCAR, they red flagged the race. They tried to get the backstretch dry, but I mean, there was still more rain that was coming on the way. And it's, it's very contradictory. I know a lot of people were saying that, you know, this is dangerous. They shouldn't be doing this. I mean, look at what happened to Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Custer. Martin Truex Jr. going down that back straightaway. He rammed into the back of Michael McDowell, and then Cole Custer rammed into the back of him. And that was a red flag for 20 minutes. And Martin wasn't happy about it. He was very outspoken, too. And Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s cousin, Danny Earnhardt Jr., who's actually the car chief on the number eight car for Josh Berry. Danny Earnhardt Jr., he tweeted Sunday during the cup race, he said, we did an Xfinity race last year in torrential conditions at the Roval. He's, he's like, why is everybody complaining about this? So I sort of get both sides of it. I understand where Kevin Harvick is coming from, and I understand where Danny Earnhardt Jr. is coming from. And, I mean, even the, the truck race on Saturday, that was in torrential conditions, and, I mean, they seem to... They seem to drive just fine. But ultimately, I mean, this is something that we've wanted all along is NASCAR to be able to race in the rain. And we finally have been able to do it. As unfortunate as it has been when they took horsepower out of the cars after 2014 from 900 to 750 horsepower. And Goodyear coming up with the rain tire and everything. We have been able to see them race in the rain when, I mean, how many times would, would it be Watkins Glen where it would be pouring and they would have to postpone the race to Monday? So I understand both sides of the argument here. I think what was so awesome about Sunday was just seeing how many different guys were up front that you didn't expect. Ross Chastain, Ryan Priest. I mean, they drove excellent races in the rain. And Kyle Busch, I mean, he carried over all those lessons from, from Saturday, and it looked like he was well on his way to winning, to sweeping the weekend. He won the second stage. And how ironic, as we went back to green, Brad Keselowski, by far the slowest of the Penske cars, qualifying in 24th, he gets spun by hmm, Ryan Newman in the sixth car. And sure enough, who, what car is Brad Keselowski being rumored to take over next year? Hmm, it's the sixth car. I mean, you could look at it either way, but to me, Ryan just, he didn't even, he had no intentions of making that corner. He just drove straight into Brad Keselowski and spun him out. There was no other way around it. So, we had another sequence of green flag pit stops to try to make it to the end. Kyle Busch had a pit. Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, and Chase Elliott inherited the lead, and... Alan Gustafson immediately came over the radio and said, we're two laps short on fuel. Not too long after he said we're two laps short on fuel, the rain started to pick up. There was more on the way. And Kurt Busch hydroplaned going off in the 
into that tight hairpin after that long back straightaway, almost rear-ending Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. And then NASCAR throws the caution. Red flags the race, and they didn't even wait for about half an hour. They called it. And Chase Elliott finally, the defending series champion, finally gets his first win of 2021. But obviously, it, it sort of makes you wonder. Now, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here or anything, but all the buzz going into the day was, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, they could tie Petty Enterprises for the most wins at 268. Chase Elliott, he's the defending champion. He's become NASCAR's most popular driver ever since Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired at the end of 2017. He's winless. NASCAR didn't wait too long to, to call that race. And especially when they were, don't forget, it's Austin, Texas. They're an hour behind. There was still plenty of daylight left. This is May. It's not like the race was in November. So obviously a very, very controversial finish. But a monumental moment for Hendrick Motorsports, obviously, to tie Petty Enterprises for the most wins at 268. So Chase Elliott, the winner. Kyle Larson, second. Joey Logano, third. Career best finish for Ross Chastain in fourth, his first top five finish. And A.J. Allmendinger, fifth. Career best finish for Chase Briscoe in sixth, the first top ten of his career. Michael McDowell in seventh. What an amazing season he is having. Alex Bowman in eighth. Got to give credit where credit's due. He seems to be pretty underrated on road courses. Pole setter Tyler Reddick, ninth. And Kyle Busch, tenth. Unfortunately, William Byron, ironically finishing 11th. His top ten streak coming to an end. Austin Dillon in 12th. Chris Buescher, 13th. Denny Hamlin, 14th, Ryan Priest in 15th. 16th was Eric Jones, 17th, Ryan Blaney, 18th, Anthony Alfredo. 19th was Brad Keselowski. 20th, Corey LaJoy, 21st, Ty Dillon. 22nd was Kyle Larson, 23rd, Matt DiBenedetto. 24th was Ryan Newman, and 25th was Austin Cindric. He spun not too long before Kurt Busch went off the track. 26th was Eric Amarola, 27th, Kurt Busch. Garrett Smithley, 28th. James Davison, 29th. Josh Balicki in 30th. Kyle Tilley, road racer, making his cup debut in 31st. Cody Ware, 32nd. Daniel Suarez, 33rd, after breaking a transmission and out of the race. Quinn Huff in 34th and crashing out. Martin Trex Jr., 35th. Cole Custer, 36th. Teammate Kevin Harvick in 37th. Christopher Bell, 38th. Bubba Wallace, 39th, and running out the field was Justin Moneymaker Haley with some steering issues. We had qualifying just a little while ago. And to no surprise, on the pole for the 62nd running of the Coca-Cola 600 tomorrow night at Charlotte Motor Speedway, it's the number five of Kyle Larson. Starting second will be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Third is Chase Elliott. And fourth is William Byron, Willie B. Woo! At his home track. Fifth is Kevin Harvick, two-time champion of the Coca-Cola 600, 2011 and 2013 when he was driving for Richard Childress. And ironically, the kid that replaced him at RCR, Austin Dillon in sixth. And Austin got the first cup win of his career in the 2017 Coca-Cola 600. Alex Bowman in seventh. Martin Trex Jr. in eighth, two Wins in the Coca-Cola 600, 2016 and 2019. Daniel Suarez in ninth, and Ross Chastain rounds out the top 10. Ryan Blaney in 11th. 
12th is Kurt Busch, the 2010 champion of the Coca-Cola 600. And 13th is the defending champion of the Coca-Cola 600, Brad Keselowski, in the number two Keystone Light Ford. Starting 14th is Denny Hamlin, 15th Tyler Reddick, 16th Joey Logano, 17th Christopher Bell. Beautiful red, white, and blue paint scheme for tomorrow night. 18th is Bubba Wallace, 19th Eric Jones, 20th Kyle Busch, who won the Coca-Cola 600 in 2018. 21st is Chase Briscoe, Matt DiBenedetto in 22nd, Cole Custer 23rd, Michael McDowell 24th, Ryan Newman 25th. 26th is Corey LaJoy, 27th is Chris Busher, 28th is Ryan Priest, 29th Anthony Alfredo, and 30th is Justin Moneymaker Haley. 31st, Eric Amarola, 32nd is Quinn Huff. 33rd, B.J. McLeod, 34th is Cody Ware, 35th, James Davison, Garrett Smithley, 36th, and rounding out the field is Josh Balicki and David Starr. So tomorrow night, the 62nd Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 6 o'clock on Fox, Mike Joy, three-time Coca-Cola 600 champion Jeff Gordon, who got the first win of his career in the Coca-Cola 600 in 1994, along with 1997 and 1998. And October 2012, Charlotte winner Clint Boyer, they will be providing the call. 400 laps, 600 miles, NASCAR's longest night. And don't forget, instead of the usual three stages, we have four stages. Stage one, lap 100. Stage two, lap 200. And stage three, lap 300. So how about that? Very simple as that. Every 100 laps. And even if you're not a NASCAR fan, make sure... You tune in 6 o'clock tomorrow evening on your local Fox affiliate and see that pre-race ceremony at Charlotte Motor Speedway. If that doesn't move you to tears, I don't know what will. It starts off with an invocation, and then the Charlotte Fire Department bagpipe band, they play Amazing Grace, followed by a 21-gun salute, and then taps. It gets me every single year. Just thinking about, like I said, all of the, the brave men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice. It is the most moving pre-race show you will ever see in your life. But before I give my pick for tomorrow night's Coca-Cola 600, I also can't forget that tomorrow is the 105th Indianapolis 500. Coverage begins at 11 o'clock a.m. on NBC. And the green flag will be shortly around 1230. And on the poll for the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500 is the 2008 Indianapolis 500 champion, Scott Dixon. And joining him on the front row is Colton Herta and Renus VK, who scored the first IndyCar win of his career two weeks ago on the road course in Indianapolis. Fourth is his car owner, Ed Carpenter. Fifth is 2013 Indianapolis 500 champion, Tony Kanaan. Sixth is his teammate, Alex Pillow. Seventh is Ryan Hunter-Ray, the 2014 champion of the Indianapolis 500. 
Eighth is Elio Castroneves. Three Indianapolis 500 wins. 2001, 2002, and 2009. And another Ganassi car, Marcus Erickson in ninth. Some other notables, Alexander Rossi, the 2016 Indianapolis 500 champion. He'll be starting in 10th. Takuma Sato, the defending champion of the Indianapolis 500. He will be starting in 15th. And some other notables, we also have guys like Graham Rahal, whose father Bobby won the Indianapolis 500. In 1986, you have Joseph Newgarden still looking for that first Indianapolis 500 win. Juan Pablo Montoya, two Indianapolis 500 wins, 2000 and 2015. Simon Pagano in 2019, and who can forget Marco Andretti, obviously. The famed Andretti family. And, of course, the curse of Indianapolis. His grandfather Mario won the race in 1969, but Dad Michael never having any luck as a driver, but as an owner, he's had some luck. And, of course, Will Power, the 2018 Indianapolis 500 champion who barely got in last Sunday. So, ultimately, when it comes to the Indianapolis 500, I have to go with the guy that has dominated IndyCar for almost two decades. That's the number nine of Scott Dixon. Now, getting back to the Coca-Cola 600, the one thing about tomorrow night is... It's all going to be about keeping up with the racetrack. And what I mean by that is when this race gets going at about 6.20 Eastern Standard Time, the sun is still going to be out. The track is going to be hot. It's going to be slick. And obviously, as the day progresses into night, when the sun goes down and it gets dark out, the track is going to get faster. The speeds are going to pick up. So obviously, the one thing you have to worry about is... Obviously, engines, this is a 600-mile race compared to a 400-mile race or a 500-mile race. So you have to worry about attrition, about making sure that that engine lasts. I mean, how many times over the years have we seen engine failures in the Coca-Cola 600? But I think the biggest thing, it's all going to be about track position with this horrible 550-horsepower package. And clean air is a virtue, like we saw last year in the Coca-Cola 600, Chase Elliott two laps away from winning the 600. His teammate, William Byron, blows the tire down in turn one and spins out. Alan Gustafson makes the call to pit Chase Elliott. And when he made that call, Brad Keselowski and Jeremy Bullins, they stay out. And any other time you would think that fresh tires would win you the race? Uh-uh. Here at Charlotte, it's all about track position. It's all about clean air. And sure enough, Brad Keselowski, he was able to hold off Chase Elliott and win the Coca-Cola 600 for the first time in his career. And you can make the argument with everything that Brad does for our military. I mean, just the other night, him and his wife Paige, they gave away a service dog to a, a U.S. Army sergeant. You can make the argument, Brad Keselowski, even though he has not won the Daytona 500 just yet, there is no doubt in my mind that Coca-Cola 600 win last year, that was definitely the biggest win of his career in my book. Just because it's Memorial Day weekend and he gets what this weekend is all about. And it was so special to see him win that race last year for Staff Sergeant Donovan Reap to win it for his family. But ultimately, like I said, it's all about track position. Another good example of this was the 600 last year, Alex Bowman. 
had a decent car in practice or in qualifying, excuse me. But sure enough, when Greg Ives, when he made that decision to take two tires, sure enough, Alex's car looked dominant. And ultimately, I mean, he got a horrible restart there at the end, and he finished 19th. But it's all going to be about track position. I think because there's no tire wear and because you can't pass anyone, I mean, you're going to see a lot of, I don't know about gas only, but a lot of two-tire stops tomorrow night, in my opinion. But ultimately, when it comes to mile-and-a-halves this year, who has been the guy that has dominated the mile-and-a-halves? Kyle Larson. He got his first win with Hendrick Motorsports at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, mile-and-a-half track. He dominated Atlanta before the handling sort of went away and Joey Logano held him up for Ryan Blaney, and Ryan Blaney beat him there at the end. And he dominated. Look at Kansas Speedway. That's another example how Kyle Larson dominated Kansas Speedway, and NASCAR throws a ridiculous caution for a tire sitting in the middle of the grass, Tyler Reddick's tire. And ultimately, we saw what happened on that restart with him and Ryan Blaney getting together and Kyle Larson not coming away with the win. I mean, he's led 778 laps on the year. And a lot of them have been mile-and-a-halves. 103 at Las Vegas, 269 at Atlanta, and finished second. Leading 132 laps at Kansas and finishing 19th. I mean, he is by far the best on the mile-and-a-half tracks this year. And they had an interesting point during qualifying. So back in 2017, early on in the year, Kyle Larson had a string of three races in a row where he finished second. Second to Brad Keselowski at Atlanta, second to Martin Trex Jr. at Las Vegas, and second to Ryan Newman at Phoenix, who just a little while ago told Bob Pockeris, even though it sounds like Brad Keselowski is going to be in the sixth car in 2022, it sounds like he still wants to race. And like Jason Boone said before I started recording, I mean, who better if you can't get Brad Keselowski if you're 23XI and you want to expand to two teams? Get Ryan Newman over there. That could be a huge, huge help for that organization and for Bubba Wallace to become an even better driver. But ultimately, this race tomorrow night, I feel like it's going to be dominated by Chevrolets, as we've seen the past several weeks. And I think it's going to be dominated mainly by the Hendrick cars. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman. I mean, Hendrick Motorsports, even though Martin Trex Jr. has those three wins, you could say Hendrick Motorsports is by far the best organization so far this year. Martin Trex Jr., he has three wins. But Kyle Busch, one win. Christopher Bell, one win. Denny Hamlin, even though he's leading the regular season championship by a huge margin, he's still winless on the year. And Hendrick Motorsports is only not even two miles from Charlotte Motor Speedway. And Rick Hendrick this week said it himself, he can't think of a place that would be more fitting for them to get the record-breaking 269th NASCAR Cup Series victory than at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 20 wins in the NASCAR Cup Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway for Hendrick Motorsports. Daryl Waltrip, the 1988 and 89 Coca-Cola 600s. Kenny Schrader in October of 89. That was a good month. <laughs> Jeff Gordon, first win of his career, the 1994 Coca-Cola 600. Terry Labonte, the fall race of 1996, just one month before winning his second and final championship. Jeff Gordon, 
1997 and 1998, Coca-Cola 600s in October of 1999. Then, of course, Jimmy Johnson, how he dominated Lowe's Motor Speedway, coincidentally, and how he won four races in a row there at Charlotte. I mean, he won the 2003 Coca-Cola 600, and then 2004, 2005, there was nobody else that went to victory lane other than Jimmy Johnson. Casey Mears, more than likely the only win of his cup career, driving that 25 car for Hendrick Motorsports in the 2007 Coca-Cola 600. And when they got back there in October, Jeff Gordon ended up winning. Jimmy Johnson en route to a record-breaking fourth straight championship, winning there in October of 2009. Casey Kane, the first win of his career, or excuse me, his first win with Hendrick Motorsports, the 2012 Coca-Cola 600. And then Jimmy Johnson, two more wins, the 2014 Coca-Cola 600 and October of 2016 en route to his record-tying seventh and final championship and Chase Elliott in May of 2020. So ultimately, tomorrow night, I'm going with the number five Chevrolet of Kyle Larson to score a record-breaking 269th win for Hendrick Motorsports. And I think it's only fitting because the five car, that was Hendrick Motorsports' first number. When they began as all-star racing in 1984, Jeff Bodine, he was the first driver, but let's not forget... You want to know who was the first guy to test a Hendrick Motorsports Cup car at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the number five Chevrolet? It was none other than Dale Earnhardt Sr. Imagine if he would have driven that number five car for Hendrick Motorsports. So there you have it. Chase Briscoe, my pick to go to victory lane in the Xfinity race today. And Kyle Larson to make history tomorrow night. A record 269th NASCAR Cup Series win for Hendrick Motorsports. That will do it for episode 63 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Just take a moment this weekend to honor, remember, and reflect all of the brave men and women that we lost fighting for our freedom. And episode 64 will be out next Saturday, previewing the races at Mid-Ohio and Sonoma. Have a great weekend. Y'all take it easy.